Hi FM, 101.9 megahertz of life. Writinginduffer.com. Katie Caron looks at the role that community archives, including digital archives, play in telling the story of South African Jewish life. Katie is archivist at the Kaplan Center. Katie, tell me first about the collection that you have at the Kaplan Center. Uh, so the Kaplan Center uh, for Jewish Studies is based at the University of Cape Town, and we hold approximately 200 physical collections relating to Southern African Jewish history. We hold um, congregational registers, um, organizational records, and personal papers of prominent Jewish South Africans. How large is your archive? Would you say it's the largest in Southern Africa? No. In terms no, of Jewish I, collections? In terms of Jewish collections, the South African Jewish Board of Deputies has an archive that's larger. However, we are the only um, archive that's currently um, ongoing. We, we are collecting. We are consistently collecting. And where's your focus now in terms of collecting? In terms of collecting, we have a collection development policy, which most archives have. Ours falls under the University of Cape Town's uh, collection development policy. And then, of course, we have, we have, um, our own, our own development policy according to community needs and what's important in research at the moment. A lot of what, uh, what we are collecting at the moment is defunct congregational collections. I was just in Bloemfontein. And they have an amazing archive of um, their Jewish congregation. And I uh, will be traveling to Zimbabwe this year and Namibia. And unfortunately, those are largely um, diminished Jewish communities. And our aim is to make sure that those records find a home with us so that they don't disappear. So that is where our, and, and then we're constantly collecting, um, and in touch with people. But that's largely our focus this year is, uh, defunct congregations. Casey, uh, what do you do with the information? So the records we collect, uh, go through a processing, an archival processing system where I, uh, physically process them. I remove all old paper clips, all those kinds of boring things, and then I organize them very nicely into boxes. We have a temperature controlled storeroom and, um, very special archival boxes and, um, they go in there. And then the most important part actually is the discoverability. You can have it sitting there, but if you don't have a guide somewhere online that says what you have, no one will know. And then it might as well not exist. So actually the most important point is where I take a collection and I put it in the boxes and I organize it very nicely is that I describe it very well online. We have a, what's called a finding aid um, via the University of Cape Town's um, archival search platform where you can search things. But you can also get in touch with me and I've created a very detailed PDF guide that's hundreds and hundreds of pages of inventories. So researchers get hold of me and they say, this is what I'm looking for. I say, okay, let me have a look. And then you have a look. You search through and then then you either come to me or I scan small amounts if I can. And that's kind of the process of accessing the archive. I know we often get requests for people looking for lost people, somebody knew somebody who was you know involved in whatever. Are you able to help with those kinds of queries? 
So genealogical queries are um are very common. That's what I get um probably more probably as much as academic or general research queries. And that is not our focus. Genealogy is a whole thing unto itself. There's there are a few genealogists around and they do the kind of work and digging that um I don't even know. I think a lot of what they do is also accessing national archives because what we don't hold are personal records, right? Um, citizenship records, uh, birth and death and naturalization. And I get a lot of requests for those. Um, and unfortunately those are national archives, largely home affairs, very unfortunately. And then the genealogists. So I have a, I have a, a great list of genealogical sites. There are many genealogical sites that, um, sometimes I'm behind a paywall, which you can, um, Access. Luckily, the Jewish community has been very good at um, at preserving these kinds of uh, genealogical records online. Where I can help with genealogical requests is congregational registers. These, the ones we have, are largely the Western Cape, but we have we have some Gauteng, we have a little bit of Northern Cape, and a tiny bit of the Free States. And what we have there would be birth death and marriage registers. So no certificates. Um, the people would have the certificates. But say someone is moving to a new congregation, they need to prove that they're Jewish. <clears throat> I can find, um, say, their parents' marriage register entry and scan it and send it to them. So although genealogical um, research isn't our thing, those are the kinds of um, ways that, that we can help in a small so- way. So you look at trends, you look at Jewish community trends. Um, I know you did a project on um, record mem- to record the memories of Jews of Lithuanian origin who settled in South Africa before and after the First World War. And from that you can tell stories, you can see trends. But I know your passion at the moment, Katie, is digitalizing the archives. What does that mean? So... um Digitizing is a, a lot more of a, a complex thing than people think, unfortunately. Um, even the, the most first world, most funded archives will never digitize everything. It's not possible, unfortunately, to digitize everything. So according to archival standards universal universal archival standards we follow the process of digitize what is um most used and digitize what is rare most rare and also what is um disintegrating the fastest that falls in a lot of the time to what's rare so um that's that's the way we do it. So so basically when people <clears throat> uh, researchers overseas get hold of me and they say they need they need access to a certain collection, I scan what I can, or we contact digital library services and they scan what they can, and that's kind of just just an ongoing access digitization. But then at the same time we have projects of digitizing. So at the moment we have been scanning rare Yiddish periodicals that we happen to have. Although in our archive, our archive is primary source material, so we don't hold much published material. However, what we do have are some Yiddish periodicals that are rare, 
and that um that you don't see online. So um, our aim with those is scan them, try and make them searchable, first of all, which is a little bit difficult with a, a language like Yiddish, and then put them online for open access so that anyone can access them. So that's kind of the digitization process. We do have a digital archive, and the deal there is um, empowering families to scan their own materials that we put online for access, and then they also have a copy. So you, even if you hold the physical materials as a family, have digital copies as well. Um, it's very important to try and empower people to also do it themselves in, in ways when we can't. So that, so that, um, we build, we build kind of a communal archive that everyone's got digital copies of their materials and then we can make them accessible if people would like. Katie, it's a fantastic idea to encourage people to digitize their own collections um, and to, to bring it as part of a communal thing because a lot of people have things and they don't really know how to maximize it, how to use it, how to save it. How, what is the process of digitizing something? Yes, so um, we created um, last year, the year before, a, a really great little video, a step-by-step video on the digitization process because um, for a general public, a lot of the, just the words and the ideas can seem overwhelming and they really aren't. They really aren't. The main thing you want to do is you want to scan what you have. So as the Jewish community goes, um, they've been excellent at holding on to everything. So photographs, letters, um, ship, manifests, bus tickets. What you want to do is you want to scan them. You don't have to, it doesn't have to be the best scanning in the whole world. Just scan them to the best of your ability. We have a, we have a great little, um, video that I can share around and people can contact us about. <coughs> Sorry, I've got like a scratchy throat. And basically you scan. And then the other important thing is to describe. So what that means is you scan a photograph. And then at the same time, you want to say, this is photograph one. Okay, and what's important to record about this photograph? This is the digital way of how people did it in the old days. What people would do is on the back of the photograph, they would write, this photograph was taken in gardens in Cape Town in 1954. This is left to right. This is this person, this person, this person. Okay, that's how you recorded so you knew what was happening in that photograph. In the digital sense, we call it metadata. That's a very annoying word because it doesn't like really explain what it is. It's a description. What you want to do, you want to scan something and then on, on a Word document, on an Excel document, wherever you want to say, whatever it says on the back of the photograph, you want to say this is a photograph taken, blah, 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 blah. Those are the most, those are the two important things you, you must think about when, when you're scanning so that you have the stuff scanned, but then you also have a description of what you have scanned to refer to. Yeah. Those are the most important things. In ter- I mean, how does one make a decision in terms of what is really just, you know, a scrappy piece of paper or scrappy newspaper? Uh, you know, photos that are irrelevant to something that's actually meaningful. I mean, there must be uh, a lot of gray in the middle. Yes. So this is actually when, when I attend archival workshops and conferences, this is one of the overarching questions. This is the biggest question. How do you decide what to keep? 
this is it's an ongoing conversation. You, everything is important to someone. So I think about that often when I'm working on a new collection. I'm currently processing the Sammy Marks estate collection, which is decades of their estate papers. Now I'm trying to think, how will this be used in the future? Who would use this and how would they use this? And that's kind of like trying to predict the future. Everything's important to someone. So what you have is what most archives have or libraries have. You have a focus, right? So this is what we collect. You hope someone else will collect something else. Like in terms of archives, we don't hold all the law records because the high court should be holding that, right? So you have to, you have a focus and our focus is Southern African Jewish history and what is of broader interest. That's also a very difficult word because how do you know what is of most interest? So we we have guides. Luckily, archivists have guides. What you keep. If this is an organizational collection, these are the most core important documents that you keep. And we kind of follow those guides, the guides that are constantly being updated. But it's always a conversation and always depends on archive to archive. Katie, I love the way you're bringing history to life. And I'm, have you ever come across something in the archives that you found, Wow. But like, you know, Indiana Jones discovering something rare and never seen before. All the time. All the time. Um, that's the amazing thing about working in archives. It's a very slow um, process where it's a very slow, musty, solitary process where you sit and you pour through documents and then every now and then you come across I think in Sammy Marks, I came across a, a tiny little uh, leather notebook with an ivory pen. And uh, I think more than anything, I mean, it's all beautiful and amazing, but just how much in, in say, a hundred-year period, if I'm reading letters from the 1920s, how much has changed, but how much has stayed the same? It's people writing to their mother and talking about the garden there's so many things, and, and also you read that and you're thinking, this is pre-war, this is pre-the Holocaust. Nobody knew what, what was about to happen. But then through those periods, people people are just people, and there's little bits of humor, and there's bits of storytelling, and every single thing I come across is interesting in some way. And there are those moments where you find a little an artifact that's just fascinating and it happens all the time when people when people create when people keep their documents and their little personal papers aside they never think that this will eventually go to a place where it will be preserved and so you you get a lot of insight into a person which is also a great responsibility is um how do we preserve it and how do we make sure to make things accessible while protecting the privacy of whoever wrote this diary that you're reading? I mean, in the archives, we've got Ray Alexander's diaries, um, her Yiddish diaries mm-hmm. that she wrote as a child, where just incredible personal things. So these are these are important for people, but they're also important sensitivity and privacy that we it's a fine line to work to walk you know there's a lot of respect and luckily everybody knows that 
people who use archives know that there's a lot of there's a there's a lot of respect and responsibility involved in in pouring through someone's personal documents. Katie, we have to leave it there, but I'm sorry because I still have so many more questions to ask you and learn learn so much more about the archives. But in conclusion, if anybody would like to be in touch with you or the archives, what should they do? So you can uh, have a look. I encourage people to have a look at our online archive, which is a lot of family collections and also composite projects, and that's sajmarchives.com. And um, that stands for the South African Jewish Museum Archives. They host our digital archive. People can also email me at um, kcarchivist. Um, at uct.ac.za. That's our archive email. And yeah, you can ask questions. Thank you very much. That was Katie Garun, archivist at the Kaplan Center.